0: Welcome to Digibarn Radio, fascinating stories from the history of computing. I'm Tommy Cuellar. And now to our special feature, Apple at 30, 1976, Apple in the Garage, a special event produced and hosted by Digibarn curator Bruce Damer. This event was recorded live in three parts at the Vintage Computer Festival, which was held at the Computer History Museum in Mountain View, California, on November 4th, 2006. The first part is Bruce's introduction to the event. The second part is the panel discussion, which includes Apple co-founder Steve Wozniak, joined by early employees Daniel Kotke, Randy Wigginton, and Chris Espinoza. Also in attendance were other early pioneers of the personal computer industry, including John Draper, aka Captain Crunch, key Macintosh team member Andy Hertzfeld, and many others. And now for part one of three, Bruce Damer's introduction to the at 30 special event.
1: And welcome, we're now at at 30. And i uh, just gonna give you a really brief a slideshow to kind of put you back into those days if it's possible. And then the panelists are gonna take you really back in the time machine. And when I think about the events that we've done the last few years from the Alto event, on up to the home group event and that uh, what emerges is this kind of soup, this kind of milieu of what was going on in the mid-70s, and I was a nerd kid in the mid-70s, I actually went to Sunnyvale, I'm from Canada, you can't tell, you might have thought I was in consultant, but no, <laughs> I'm probably a great big North. Uh, um, so we came down, I was in, in the spring of 75, staying in, in in Cupertino, actually in Sunnyvale, but I didn't know anything this was going on around me. But I kind of picked up on the the vibe that was in the Bay Area in the mid 70s. I said to myself when I was a 13-year-old kid, you know, not much older than a couple of you guys there, that I wanted to come back and live here, and that's how I ended up coming back and living here. And so um, I kind of had a sense for that, but of course any of us that were in school or whatnot in that period, we started, even if you were in the hinterlands. Like, me, you got the personal computers. Eventually, eventually, it came and trickled down to you. But uh, we're just going to just going to give you an idea of this soup. And I think of it as kind of a baking exercise. We'll go to the next slide. So, you want to cook up an industry? It's easy. Just follow this convenient recipe. First, extraordinary the ingredient, the ingredients. You have have good ingredients, ingredients. And, uh, well, what do we have in the Oh, lights. Chris, are you there? Can you snap the lights down? Oh, there we go. There we go, ah, beautiful. Easier to see. So ingrediments. what do you need to cook up the incredible, gourmet dish to create an industry? Well, you need extraordinary people. Too many people to, uh, to list that were involved in this industry, of course, but some people we have here today uh, were some of those extraordinary people. Uh, you need inspiring places. Well, uh, Homestead High in the Laurel at Homestead High in 1974, without <laughs> all the fancy media centers that it has now, but maybe an big swimming pool. And extraordinary places. Hewlett-Packard. There's HP 35. Extraordinary machine. Extraordinary people. Extraordinary place. Atari. We all know what an impact that had. It was kind of in a way bridge from a big company like HP into the into the world of of, of people using computers. And uh, there's another extraordinary place. That's the garage in Los Alcos. That's the Jobs Family Garage. Extraordinary place. And they had deeply felt nerd loop passions. There's a, a, a little screenshot of Lee Felsenstein last year waving his yardstick at the uh, homebrew club. Uh, and you had down there, this is an excerpt from Rich Today's uh, Finite State Fantasies, it's the cartoon about a kid who's building his homebrew kit. So late at night, uh, with this, everyone shut out of the room. Anyway, so that's that's uh, ingredients. Next slide. You need recipes. Well, uh, one of the great early recipes was build a TV typewriter by Don Lancaster. And I know Waz will be able to explain about this, and I think Daniel will be able to comment a little bit about, gee, what happens when you combine the TV typewriter recipe with the Altair recipe? What comes out of that? So. These are excerpts from homebrew computer club newsletters that we collected last year, and you can see uh, this is the first note, is, I think, from the second newsletter or third. And Waz is building a TV typewriter of his own design. uh, That was a comment from uh, Waz at that meeting. Randy Waddington is uh, trying to get an Altair 8800 to play games. Why don't that happen? Anyway, so recipes. You gotta have them, and, and they were floating around. Next slide. Kitchens When we talked about the garages. There, there are very few pictures I could find of sort of inside garages but I found uh, this from a Fortune magazine article. There's Steve Jobs standing in front of the garage and that's sometime in the 80s and then this is supposedly a picture inside the garage in 76. Uh, I don't really know what that, what that shows. the sort of stuff stuck on the wall. Um, this is purportedly a picture of uh, Waz's workbench in 76, so and maybe you can verify if that's a, a reconstruction or is it the real thing. <laughs> uh, anyway, that's that, there we have it. Uh, next picture. And of course, you have to have chefs. You're going to make a, a fine dish. And here's various questions of pictures of our chefs then and now. And I think the one that. It's sort of most enduring, I think is the number 26 there with, wild, uh, with the actual blue box and it's colored blue in fact. It must be, it must have been the blue box. And uh, if you see the one in the lower center, that's, uh, that's at the West Coast Computer Fair. Uh, there's a whole series of pictures taken by Tom Maneke who, who sent them to me. Uh, anyway, and then up in the upper right there, there's Steve Jobs this year uh, doing a, a commemoration of the 30th event at uh, 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 Macworld in the spring. So, and I think that this one on the upper left is uh, Steve Jobs looking at a food box. It's always reported to be, uh, I think that that is from Waz.org. Anyway, uh, just the great collection of now an of the chefs. So, next slide. And cooking it up. Very few of these around. But it took me a long time to find on the net an actual Apple One schematic, but there it is. Uh, it was from an article many years ago, and there's some of Waz's notes there. I think it's a Sixty five oh two floating point gas yeah, submole div uh, little handwritten notes there from uh, March six seventy six. So maybe that was something for the homebrew club. I don't don't know particularly just your own notes. So, so if you open that, that better Oh the whole manual is oh the manual right there so we can actually figure it out. First, Oh, these are the 6,502 routines that was handed out in the for doing clothing, here we are. Okay, so. Sorry, I forgot my white gloves. So. Okay, we are. we are in the museum. So here, here's the whole schematic, the whole scoop. You want to see Wonderful, thanks. Thank you, Eliza. Uh, next slide. And hot out of the oven. Apple One. This is a photo from Salam uh, from uh, four or five years ago. And you said there was a mannequin on it. You could tell if it was uh, tape Review. I think we. Oh, no. I just, I, this one actually was a more recent. And, and I'm always curious as to why this says Apple, uh, Apple Computer One, Palo Alto, California. Tell us, I have much to do with it. I'm not sure. Sort of the neighboring community? Mailing address. Mailing address. Oh, the answering service was there. Answering service was there. Okay, there we go. Solved. Uh, next slide. And then the gorgeous one. Everybody knows the Smithsonian one, and I know I read somewhere how that someone's dad made this case lovingly. Uh, nope. Okay, we'll hear about that on the panel. That, that's a good question for a panel. Where does this gorgeous case come from? Uh, next slide. And here's, uh, out of the oven, here's Apple One running. And I believe it's just, you're doing a dump of the addresses, right? You're getting a dump of the memory. And then, uh, is that a program that's running? to output the whole character set, I think. Yep, yes it is. Okay. So you're just reading the reading hex there and coming up. Reverse compiling on the fly. Impressive. Okay, uh, next slide. And this, as I spoke about earlier, the uh, first, uh, the serving of the apple, the first public show, and there's Daniel Kotke and Steve Jobs in Atlantic City, New Jersey on August 28, 1976. And you can just sort of see a little computer in the right on that, that's um, a little placard there, and perhaps that's a marketing literature or tech specs behind them. Uh, but that's a great, great photo there. And of course I'm wearing a t-shirt there and the, uh, uh, the great Apple computer logo, which I'm sure the panels explain where that comes from. So it's such a beautiful piece of art. And next slide. And uh, what's interesting about this, although the projector's munging this a little bit, is when you look at this first literature, this first sort of spec sheet or ad for the Apple one, it really looks like an Apple ad of today. It's got that time thrown at the top and very clear explanations and you know, it's just, it just—it seems like it's, an, it's Apple. Apple's had that consistency all these 30 years, and price of $666.66, and I'm sure the guys will explain that is this indeed the mark of the beast? <laughs> Which I don't think it was. I think it was just repeating—repeating repeating numbers were easier. Right anyway, uh, next slide. So our we have kind of blown our schedule here, but we're basically going to let the panelists sit up. We're when we finish this, turn, on the, turn off the project, let the panel set up here and just start to talk. And after a certain amount of time, what seems to make sense, we'll open it up for a story period. If anyone has a story, it's been under two minutes to blurt out. I know French has a story, uh, which will probably be under two minutes, uh, but he will blurt that out and for all to uh, to enjoy. And we'll do some kind of mapping or random access so if anybody else could stand up is this Leif Ellenstein homebrew club term to say anything that you want to connect with other people, say around the Apple history? And we're really looking for people who have pictures and video, and well not maybe a little bit less video, but anything that we can scan in for artifacts for our pages to offer the world under our Creative Commons license uh, about Apple's early history. There isn't a whole lot on the web, and there needs to be more. There's some excellent books about it, but there needs to be more artifacts. And if you have Photo albums, the slides or whatever, pictures of things in Apple on 76, 77 or anything. I, you know, There's a bunch of us that want to scan those in. If you're okay with them being offered for non-commercial use, uh, off of the debarred pages. This is why I do these events, to gather more cyber archives. We're gonna do the lovely cake cutting. People will mill about and general confusion will prevail. Um, Alan Dell and Daniel will be sequestering some people for interviews. And at 9 p.m., Waz will finally finish talking to people and signing their Iowa's books now. <laughs> <laughs> Which will happen last year. Now, I think Waz is still a little under the weather, so he may be uh, leaving before 9 p.m., uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll let him be the best judge of that. So, next slide. So, there's the cake cutting from last year, and it's up here, and you'll you'll all get your sugar highs from this. That was the group cake. This year, we have uh, Apple 30, this logo. On the cake, uh, it's a great cake. Thank you, Safeway. And so it might be the last slide, but keep going. Uh, thanks to and um, all these people here, all these magazines that we took pictures and covers from uh, people who helped the speakers, etc. And also to Jeff Raskin, who many of you knew. This is uh, one of the last pictures that I took of Jeff, and one of the last things that he did to benefit me is to show him the Apple one that Steve was gave me. And uh, it's sitting right up here, and thank you, Linda. Next, pick, next one. Oh, uh, don't forget the shameless plug. Uh, Digibar and Computer Museum. We're up in the Santa Cruz Mountains. Nerd buys farm eight years ago. Nerd, walking around farm, notices there's a 5,000 square foot farm there they didn't notice before. What does nerd do with farm? <laughs> White loves pigs. So pigs go, hot-valley pigs go in the outside horse stalls. Nerd walking around on the inside of barn says, I could store all computer junk in here. <laughs> Hence the beginning of, I happen to have a Felton carrot optometer from 1922, which will look really good sitting right there, beginning with Vigibar. <laughs> Nerd goes over to Xerox Park for last demo of Xerox Star and says, this can't be the last demo of the Xerox Star. Nerd finds all of the Xerox hardware to assemble and get working to continue the Xerox story and then discovers you gotta tell everything else too. So there's now about 400, 450 systems there, crazy for computers down to little itty-bitty things. And uh, it's all a community-based project. It's, uh, it's mostly they sort of work if you're lucky kind of thing, but you can boot up the artifacts the whole Digibarn as management is a story capture mechanism. The main focus I have is getting your stories onto the site for perpetuity. Because when the people are gone, the artifacts will still be well preserved somewhere, and people won't be there to tell the stories. So that's what I'm mainly focused on. And uh, so anyway, visit digibarn.com, 3 o'clock tomorrow down in the lobby. I'll hand out maps, and we'll lead the group over to the museum. If you want to stay after about 6 o'clock, uh, we'll go out and have a, a brew at the brewery. The Boulder Creek, burry, a very, fine brewery, and uh, I think that's. And uh, now we're we're segueing into the real reason we're here, at our panelists. And my wife Galen hit me uh, hit me upside the head last year and said, "You didn't introduce anybody. How does anybody know who these people are?" And I said, "They don't know who they are." I said, "You have to read bios." So I promised her I will read bios. I won't read uh, my bio or Salam's file, but. What we, the, the wonderful thing we have here today, the short files, are Steve Wozniak, well, he's the lost, but I, I, I should really tell you a little bit more about him. Steve Wozniak is a Silicon Valley icon and philanthropist for the past three decades. Steve, founder and chairman, for uh, the past three decades, Steve Wozniak is currently founder and chairman and CEO of Wheels of Zeus. And he helped shape the computing industry through design of Apple's first line of products, Apple I and II, and influenced the popular Macintosh. For his achievements at Apple Computers, Steve was awarded the National Medal of Technology by the President of the U.S. in 1985, the highest honor bestowed on America's leading innovators. Making significant investments of both his time and resources in education, Wozniak adopted the Los Gatos School District, providing students and teachers with hands-on, hands-on teaching and donations of state-of-the-art technology. Program. So that's a very, great, generous thing to do for the next generation. Daniel Coffey, personal friend of mine, and uh, instrumental in getting this together today. Daniel, and I wrote this, so this is sort of an unofficial file, he was, and he told me he was hired by Wozniak to help assemble Apple I boards or test them, I guess and I was correct for those who purchased the assembled versions and joined the an effort in the garage on June 30, 1976. Uh, I guess this was when the bike store had put in that huge order or was it after? Just after. Just after. Uh, Daniel went on to a great career draft, which included working on the Apple II and III being a member of the legendary Macintosh team buying his signature embossed in Boston, the early insides of the early Macintosh pieces. Randy Waddington. Randy was one of Apple's first employees, creator of MacWrite, Full Impact, and other numerous Mac applications. Wigginson was a student at Homestead High in Cupertino, California, interested in computers, just as the earliest microprocessor-based computers were being assembled by hobbyists. He had heard about the Homebrew Computer Club, but no way to get there until he started getting rides with another club member, Steve Wozniak. The two hit it off. By the way, thank you, Wikipedia, for these uh <laughs> too hit it often. Wigginson became one of Apple's earliest employees in nineteen seventy-six, was, was was present with Waz when the Apple I was first presented to the world at a homebrew company. Wigginson collaborated with Wozniak on the circuit design and ROM software for the Apple II in nineteen seventy-seven. As Waz wired up the color graphic circuitry, Wigginson wrote machine language graphics subroutines Chris Espinoza another high school student, wrote demo programs and Facebook. Wigginton wrote several early programs for the Apple II, including a checkbook balancing program co-authored with Apple's Vice President of Marketing, Mike Markle. Is Mike Markle here? Did Mike help? Sure. Chris Espinoza, who's just been mentioned, was one of Apple's first employees. He joined the company at the age of 15 in 1976 and wrote his bike down there. Uh, when it was still housed in Steve's parents' garage, writing software manuals and coding after school. Espinosa entered the University of California, Berkeley, where his freshman advisor was Andy Hertzell. See all the connections, and Andy sits right up here, too. Thank you for coming, Andy. 1981, Espinosa became a member of the Apple Macintosh team. He has worked on many projects at Apple since, including Mac OS, AUX, HyperCard, Calgary, Collider Labs, AppleScript, and Mac OS X now development engineering manager of the Xcode team. So he's now starting his fourth decade Apple. Impressive. So with that, I think plenty of introductions, plenty of background. What we'll have is we'll shut off the projector so people don't get blown into light space. And we'll move some chairs up front. Basically, the front is pretty open. Some questions have come up during the, the, uh, Introduction. Maybe you guys can answer, like, how did that? Who created that wonderful logo for Apple, and who carved that case that's in the Smithsonian? And uh, then we can just sort of take it from there. It's really, it's your panel, it's your history. And after maybe about 45 minutes or so, we'll we'll just we'll open it up for um, for the story, the co-storytelling. So I'd ask everyone, they can keep uh, keep their comments. until till we've done that, until you guys have felt you, you talked yourselves out, and maybe it's some of the key questions to ask was why Apple? Why was Apple the company that kind of punched through and and created that critical mass? Is the right product, at the right time, and the right people to make to to make it so that it just spread beyond the hobbyist world? You know, why why Apple? What were the ingredients to the to the soup? And was there any point at which you thought that Apple just was not gonna happen, maybe in the first two years where it was real touch and go, because you know, those are kind of the cliffhanger moments. Um, and, and what saved you, what, what kept you doing was people, technology, diffusion of cash, you know, when Apple was just sort of this fragile entity, what 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 kept Apple in scope? And uh, kind of looking back, how do you think of the industry today and the innovation people can do today, are there garages left? Do people still do the garage things? It's still possible. Is something in your garage? Maybe in your Ajax browser is your garage? Your Ajax code base? Uh, are we still? Is the garage still the source of innovation that it was?
0: You've been listening to Digibarn Radio. This story is available for some uses under our Creative Commons license. Please check our website at www.digibarn.com, that's www.digibarn.com, for this license and more great stuff from the Digibarn Collections. This is Tommy Quayar signing off. Thanks for tuning in.